Oh no. Don't be so glum. The American Soccer Show's back. I think this might be the first time in many, many months that we've done three consecutive episodes on the same day of the week. It's called getting into a rhythm, and it's something that I'm not too great at myself. Ah, uh, well, you know, it's it's difficult, right? We, we, we live very busy lives, as you can imagine. We're important people, especially in the soccer world, and we can't just make time to talk to each other on any given day. Right, exactly. So that's why we've decided to make a better commitment to making this show even better than it already was, which it was already perfect. So I don't know how we're going to go up from there, but we will find a way, uh, especially since we have all the new listeners pouring in now. Don't know where any of you came from. I don't know if any of you are actually real. I'm glad that you had this all planned out already. I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to figure it out. Yes. The man with a plan. That's that's always the plan. And so I've planned to open the show today with the stat of the week. Don't get used to this, because this will not be a recurring segment, but this is very important. You ready for this, Emmett? I am sitting down, and I am bracing myself. Yes. So, the Super Bowl, in case you missed it, which, you know, you might have. Who cares? Less than 100 million people watched it this year on CBS, so I'm sure no one watched it. The Super Bowl was held in a soccer stadium. Very bold move, I'd say, by NFL 13.0 to try to move into soccer stadiums. But, hey, you know that's where the league's going. You saw they've already moved into the Galaxy Stadium. Now they've got games, the, the biggest game of the year being held at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, home of Atlanta United so and much some other team called the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> yes. So, anyway, more people attended MLS Cup 2018, the final, between Atlanta United and Portland Timbers than Super Bowl 53 between the Patriots and the LA Rams. It was 73,000 to 70,000. So, uh, all I've learned from this is that MLS has officially surpassed the NFL in popularity, in legitimateness, because the Patriots won again, so clearly the NFL's rigged. Uh, That's, yeah, uh, I think we've gotten to that point. Congratulations. NFL 13.0 has kind of been a disappointment so far, I'd say, you know. You know, and I too learned something in that uh, no matter what, once Eric gets his one stat, you cannot dissuade him from that path. So that's that's all. I mean, who cares that ticket prices were probably thousands of dollars cheaper for MLS Cup than they were for the Super Bowl, or the fact that they probably limited capacity for the Super Bowl because of the sheer amount of security concerns. No one cares about any of that, okay? And not like, to mention, it doesn't count all the people that were there in the stadium, just not in attendance. And like the 3,000 media people they have to bring to the Super Bowl because everybody and their mother wants to go cover the yes. Super Bowl. It's true. So... Yeah, but those numbers, irrelevant. The only number I care about, 73,000 plus at MLS Cup, 70,000 roughly. And who knows if they even got there. I saw some empty seats in the Super Bowl. so, And it also had the way worse halftime. True. Nobody say, uh, was happy by that. And you know what they say, all roads lead to MLS. So once <laughs> again, the uh, NFL proving our point. Yes. All right. So now getting into things that might actually matter. I don't I don't know. I've been told that transactions don't really matter at this point in the season. Andrew Gutman, everyone's favorite uh, Chicago Fire Academy prospect, we mentioned had signed for Celtic and was to be loaned back to the United States and Nashville SC, not the Nashville. Well, okay, sort of not the Nashville team that's coming to MLS, but also the team that's coming to MLS had agreed to a loan. And apparently, the league shot it down on the basis that Nashville will be joining the league next year. But they aren't in the league for the year, but he'll be loaned. Right. So there's been this whole brouhaha about... I love well, that word. Yeah, I use it just for you. 
that there's he's only going to be joining while they're still in USL, but they have a contract with MLS. So let me tell you, Twitter was not happy with that one. Yeah, I don't I don't blame them because this is really shady. <laughs> like, what what difference does it make? Um, I, I, I honestly I I can't answer that like with a good answer. I just know that it's the MLS rules, like you know going against your former MLS team being loaned out to a different MLS team is not allowed. So I guess because the, you know, Nashville's paid their entry fee, they're on the books. They can't do it. But that's a bad answer. I don't think that's that should be enough. Right. And I, my next thought was did the fire like did the fire just say, "Uh, no, we're not going to allow that." And then if that's the case, then I have to question the fire's sanity at all because if you remember Goodman has reportedly been told that the Fire were going to sign him to a homegrown contract and immediately trade him because that's all he is, a trade asset. Yeah, um, I think maybe the Fire would have declined it because they worried he would join Nashville and then go back to hurt them. But, um, it, yeah, it strikes me as weird and was uh, it's difficult for the lead to grow with stuff like that's going on. So well, it wasn't pretty. Uh, Goodman kind of a pawn in the game. Now, he did end up signing for Charlotte Independence, so I guess he will play this year in the United States, which is good, but uh, that, that the whole thing's a farce, honestly. Yeah, and I think Nashville would have been a good place for him to play in front of big crowds, a team that knows they're going to be in MLS soon and is developing a squad would be a higher level. Uh, the other one I wanted to talk about, Minnesota reportedly bringing in Vito Manone from Reading in the championship falling out of favor there but he was the full-time keeper last season and if you remember the name that's because he was actually a member of arsenal for a little while got a few premier league games in and even some champions league matches if you can uh, remember, remember back that far Wojciech chesney was the starting goalkeeper and the backup lucas fabianski splitting time with Manone. they used to call him flappy hansky because uh, he couldn't catch the ball. <laughs> so Manone was the number two ahead of now the star uh, Polish keeper. So uh, different paths they've gone, but uh, good for you know Minnesota because you know the names kind of fit Minnesota, Manone, and they actually have you know a goalkeeper who is not going to be losing you points throughout the year. Uh, Bobby Sh- yeah, Bobby Shuttleworth on his best day is probably average. And so you definitely would like an upgrade. And so this team, I think, uh, and it's been reported that they're done. Like, this, this is it. This was the final piece of their puzzle for this season. I'm very impressed. All aboard the hashtag Minnesota Hype Train. Hashtag Go Loons. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Minnesota this year. I think I they brought in some, uh, some well-needed depth, some well-needed uh, experience. This is yet another one. And we're seeing the goalkeeper level rise very, very quickly in the league. To Shuttleworth was a guy who was, you know, he was a starter not too far ago, and fairly comfortably, I would say. Uh, and he might get phased out of the league before long. I think I think he's a fine backup. I think. Oh, he's a I great he, backup. Yeah. So I don't know about phased out of the league, but definitely starters of his level are starting to go out of fashion, which is good because there's nothing really spectacular about him. And if the U.S. has done anything in the last 20 years, it's produced decent goalkeeper talent. So there should definitely be a higher standard. Yeah, and you know that's not to say I you know I have higher hope for Teton at Cincinnati. Uh, than Minone at this point, but I mean, the guy's got a, a good history, and if anything, he'll at least be a good leader for the team. Agreed. Uh, also, never hurts to have a tough Italian guy named Vito in the squad. I mean, it, just, it takes your rep up, like, at least four notches. Yes. Sounds like a great sandwich, too. So, speaking of places you can get sandwiches... 
Oh, I love that transition. Yes, Philadelphia Union, or <laughs> even though they don't really play in Philadelphia, but we'll ignore that for the for the sake of the transition. The Union Says are back. The Bridgeview guy, but yeah, the Union. Here we are. <laughs> yes. Well, you know what? We can take pot shots at each other all day, but I thought the Union had. Oh, I thought the Fire had a rough off season, but uh, after doing the research for this team, I'm not sure that I should be complaining anymore. Jim Curtin's back for his fifth year in charge of the Union. Gone are stalwarts Marcus Epps and Fabian Herbers, but also gone are actual important players, Bork Dochkow and Keegan Rosenberry. Uh, Rosenberry, if you remember, was traded for roughly 400000 in Garber Bucks. Dochkow's loan ended, and apparently they didn't bring him back. So, that's great. A uh, couple instances of, uh, for at least the latter, uh, the Union not being much of a spending team. Rosenberry, oh, they can get some money for him? Sure, offload him. They do have three right backs. Uh, in- including him, if you had kept him. And Dochkal, I think his Chinese uh, parent club, seeing that he led the league in assists, decided to uh, notch up the price like a couple million. And, you know, Sugarman being the guy he is leading the union, said, you know, we'll take our chances with youth. And that's what it seems like for all of these losses. We'll take our chances with youth. Oh, good luck to him. Dochkal was uh, number one in assists, as my producer was so kind to point out before the show, as I had erroneously given him the second spot. Apparently he was first in the assists last season, uh, which is very good considering the league has a lot of talented playmakers these days, and this union team not exactly known for lighting up the box score in goals. Next closest on the team was good old Alejandro Bedoya with five. Uh, Dutch Cal was number one in the league with a grand total of uh, 18. 18, yeah. That's a really impressive amount, and it's all, it's like it's like replacing a 20-goal striker. It's not going to be easy. and yeah, It will not be done by one person. No, and you could say, oh, by committee, but I think we're going to see some, uh, you know, whoever steps into the number 10 role, uh, if if they do that, you know, I know Curtin likes the 4-2-3-1. I've heard that he might be playing a diamond midfield with two up top. Um, but whoever steps in there, whether it's Fontana or Aronson or the young teenagers to the academy or the one signing, not the one signing, he was the one signing until recently, Sergi Santos, plays underneath, uh, I don't see them putting up 18 assists over the over the season. Yeah, well, that's Sergio Santos. He played in the Chilean League. He had 16 goal, sixteen games and and had 10 goals in those 16 games. Numbers are hard. Uh, that's that's pretty solid. I, I'm not going to pretend I know anything about the Chilean League. We've already talked about this. I I don't know. Maybe, maybe he'll be successful. Maybe he won't. That's certainly not a bad goal-scoring record in any league. So at least he was bagging goals. Yeah, we do know the Chilean League uh, was very prestigious. We do know that um, at this point it's not the best team in South America. But, um, he's, I mean, you know, Union fans have been calling for a striker for a while. They have three now. Uh, Corey Burke and CJ Sapong uh, <laughs> behind him. Uh, and like I mentioned, um, it's, it looks like they might be playing two up top this year. We'll see if Curtin uh, makes the change. Not to mention possibly the return of David Akam. I fully expect that to be happening this year. Yeah, a resurgence, a full resurgence, or you just mean he's actually going to be on the field this time? Uh, so uh, partway through the season last year, he had a hernia surgery and missed out for the rest of the season. Um, it's not been confirmed, but there's a real possibility that he was dealing with that injury uh, throughout the season, and that's what kind of made him struggle uh, and not really be, you know, match his price tag. I don't think he was worth as much as he was in the first place. Uh, but I do think we'll be seeing a com on the right, 
Pico on the left potentially, uh, and that that could be a wing pairing that could scare some defenders if uh, Akam was, uh, you know, not fully fit last season, and it was just an, that was the problem and not a lack of skill, so to speak. That is, in my opinion, just as good of a sign. Well, it's just as good as a new signing would be if Akam is coming back to form. Certainly, it would be a good way to unlock the defense. There's also talk, very, very loud talking, of Marco Fabian coming from Europe to play for the Union. He would very much slot into that number 10 role. And so, I heard this news. I couldn't believe it because of all the places Fabian could go, Philadelphia certainly wasn't the first place I would think of. But it makes a lot of sense personnel-wise because, boy, do they need a playmaker. Uh, and I have just received confirmation from our producer and from the Philadelphia Union's uh, media list, mailing list, that Philadelphia Union have just signed this moment Mexican national team midfielder Marco Fabian. Wow, that was fast. I, I like no joke. Uh, it is 426, and I have an email labeled 425. So, uh, <laughs> literally, just that's, I don't know what kind of coincidence that was, uh, if something kind of devious was in the works going on, but we well, just just remember, we are very important people so that they waited until the show started to get that news out so we could be the ones to break it even though no one is listening to this live but that's it's fine not technically live either but <laughs> well i mean someone my, my brother could be listening on the other side of the door that i have closed right now you never know yeah the same for me but anyway they have just signed fabian so that is uh that that changes their whole rundown doesn't it uh, I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't change everything for me. What it does. What it does give me is a little more hope for this offense. Because look, I, what I had written down is that this team is shocking, right? Like the fact that they've done nothing to improve it and have lost key players in two positions that I don't think you should just be tossing away as uh, insignificant. It, I was. I was pretty shocked. So this move. Hopefully, it's at least a lateral move with Dogecal because the thing is, that's not exactly going to... I know Fabian is a very highly regarded player, and believe me, the Mexican national team, you know, loves having him. But I, I'm just saying, just to expect him to come in and have the 18 assists to gel with this team right away, it's going to take some time. So yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how he fits that role, but I, I would assume he slots right in. So uh, Dogecal had the similar struggle fitting in initially. Uh, the Union had a really tough beginning, uh, but but he joined... Uh, the first week of the season. He signed, like, just as the week season was about to start. So Fabian has a little bit more time. Uh, there you have it. That's uh, They had three signings. So Fabian, Santos, and uh, left-back Kai Wagner. <laughs> well, that one's another interesting one. Tearing it up at Schalke B, apparently. That one's more up in the air. I think you'd assume Fabian and Santos are going to slot right into the first team. But that makes this team... I think that makes the union more of contenders than they were, you know, two weeks ago when they didn't have yeah, Fabian. That's true. I, I definitely agree that this move puts them in a much better position than they were even this just this time yesterday. Um, I was prepared to talk about the union's desire to be like the Red Bulls or like Dallas and develop a lot of youth. Uh, so they bring in the 30-year-old Mexican from abroad. They bring in 29, 29. <laughs> oh, he's 20, yeah. I'm sorry, he's 29. <laughs> He'll turn 30 this year, don't worry. Okay, all right. Um, but yeah, they want they bring him in, they bring the 27-year-old Brazilian. But uh, remember last year they had the youngest back line in MLS history? Right. And they just got rid of the oldest player of that back line. Uh, that was when Real was starting. Uh, so I'm expecting, uh, you know, we haven't gotten to that right back situation yet. Um the whole Rosenberry was very good last year. 
They're going to probably move Ray Gaddis, who was a right-footed left back last year, probably will be starting at right back as the weak link in the squad right now. But there is 21-year-old Olivier Mbizo, who played one game last season at right back and seemed comfortable, and I think will eventually become the starter to make that back line even younger. He is listed on MLSsoccer.com, which is my favorite URL in the history of URLs, MajorLeagueSoccerSoccer.com. Uh, he's listed. He's listed as one of the five MLS players poised to make a big leap in 2019, and Bazo is by yeah. Bobby Warshaw. Um, so, you know, you can have whatever opinions you want on the on that list, but I do think Mbizo, uh that one game, I don't think many defenders look that uh, impressive, both sides of the ball in their first match. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Mbizo 21, um, Trusty 20, uh, McKenzie 19, and either Wagner, who's, I believe, uh, 20, or Matt Real, who's 19 at left back, that would be some serious gall from uh, Jim Curtin to play that back line. And yet I imagine we'll see it. Kai Wagner is 21, by the way. Uh, but he will turn 22 next this time next week. Wow, look at that. So that's, you know, they still have Blake, 27 in goal. Uh, but th- that was kind of where the big question marks were, the fullback position, 10 and 9. And it looks like they've, you know, just about figured that out. Right back maybe being the one issue they still have to, you know, nail down. Yeah, no, uh, this is definitely better than it was, like I said, when I was writing this preview. So I I am going to take my foot off the complaining gas, and I guess I'll save it for a little bit later. But just to put this in perspective, now, I I do want to be a little bit uh, critical because I I like Fabian, like I said. I do worry sometimes. He has a little bit of an injury history, you know. His back has been, and you know how tricky back injuries can be when you start getting up there in age. Right. So I hope he stays healthy because, like you said, you were talking about uh, Fontana, the young kid, possibly having to play the 10 role. That's a pretty sharp decline, at least in my opinion, to go from Fabian to that kid. Uh, yeah, maybe tough. Uh, he played one game. He did score a goal in the opening match against the Revolution last year. They do have Brendan Aronson, another teenager. Um, I would expect... Uh, you know, Curtin's pretty good at dealing with injury problems. I would expect Fabian to play 60 minutes for a long stretch of the season and get subbed in for one of those two who will get, you know, 30 minutes or so. Um, but, you know, now we're being super positive, but let's let's pump the brakes and let's look at some of the potential bad things. Okay, young back line, inexperienced, there's mistakes there. Yeah, we saw that a few times. Rear its ugly head last season, including at the end. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're saying, oh, calm, this could be his year. But well, he was not, not good last year. There's not a lot there to make me think that I should be prepared for an out, uh, a burst, you know, a great season. They still have Alcino on the right. He's still great on the dribble, one of the best 1v1 dribblers in the league. But, okay, don't get too ahead of yourself there. You know, we still don't know um, how Santos or Burke will fit in up top or Sapong or Pajabilko, another Polish name. Uh Harris Medunian is getting older, 34. He looked to slow down a little bit last year. How will that affect the team? There's still a lot of questions on how the transition will be from last year. Will Akam step up? Will Medunian stay at the level? Is Fafa Pico ready for his breakout season? Yeah, he had a you know his strongest season his, yet. His his second breakout season. Second. Uh, well, you know he made a bit of a name for himself. Can he be can you know be consistent? Can he do it again? Um, you know, Will Sapong, you know, he had 16 goals two years ago. He had three last year. Will we see him even play with Santos up top, with Burke scoring 12 goals? Right. Too many questions right now to be too optimistic, so we should pump the brakes here. 
And let's not forget former U.S. international Fafa Pico. Yeah, he got he got a uh, what was it one or two call ups. So <laughs> he got a call up against Puerto Rico, which I got to tell you is one of the strongest national teams we could possibly play. Probably the strong. I mean, you're basically playing yourself. Imagine how difficult right. that is. <laughs> it's it's pretty incredible that they did that. So so like I said, a lot less question marks than I had. So a, a little bit of what I was going to say has kind of gone out the window here. I still have my questions about that back line, like you mentioned, because of an experience. Now, now to be fair, that's also. <laughs> for that, for their age, they've got a lot of playing time in MLS already. So that's always a good thing to have. The Bobby Warshaw article, and I keep quoting him because you know he's obviously the expert now. Derek Jones, apparently, defensive midfielder's got some promise as well. So I would think that at some point you'll see him slot in from a union and t- try to take over. Uh, Alejandro Bedoya is about as steady of a presence as it's going to be. I don't imagine he's going to get it. He's obviously not going to get any better. But you know, as long as he continues his steady ways, I think they'll be just fine. Right, and I am looking forward to seeing Jones because when he first came onto the scene, he was the first ever academy product for the Union. He was really, really entertaining to watch. Strong dribbler. Uh, his passing range wasn't great, but he was just, you know, you couldn't take it off him. He's like Musa Dembele. Uh, since then, he's kind of been formed into a six role where you kind of need more passing range. So we'll see what his role will be this year. I do expect him in, uh, to start rotating with Midunian, in, but time will tell. Play the youth. Well, uh, let's jump to the other side of the country where it's our favorite team on the podcast, Real Salt Lake. Listeners will know I spent all of last season, or if you don't know, uh, berating this team. Then they made the playoffs, and then I berated them some more. They won a playoff game at LAFC. Then, and I mean nearly, very nearly, just barely lost to Sporting Kansas City. Yeah, and they actually had a pretty good record against Sporting Kansas City over the season, if you look back. I think they had a draw and a win, uh, and then almost outdid them. And that was, uh, I believe, the Sporting Kansas City that topped the West. Yes. Uh, that's, I, I didn't know what to say. I, I at, the, at the end of it all, I said that they'd earned my respect, and so I'm bringing that respect over to this season as well. Uh, the mad scientist, Mike Petke, is back for year three. Uh, this team basically exceeded everyone's expectations last season, I would say. I don't remember too much hype around this team around this time last season. Uh, the greatest center defensive mid to striker conversion of all time, Demir Krylak, is back. And I, I think the first question a lot of people would have is, what's going to happen with him? Is he going back to the midfield or is he going to striker? Personally, I think when a guy scores as many goals as he does, you don't move him. Yeah, and his partnership with Albert Rusnak playing underneath. I mean, how many teams have played with a false nine and a number 10 before? Quite uncommon, but it was a good duo. That's why I call them the mad scientist. He just does some crazy stuff. So that's uh, that's a DP signing, I believe, is it? Or is this international for Sam Johnson? Sam Johnson is a DP signing. So you'd have to assume he might be getting time up top, Krylock going down. Uh, the, you know, the move kind of came out of necessity because their only striker was Corey Baird. Uh, and he was a rookie, so I don't think they were felt completely comfortable having him lead the lines because you know he is more of a ten or or a right winger. I was gonna say, yeah, he looks he, he looked pretty good for the U.S. on the wing, so I would think that they'll try him out there more. Yeah, uh, I I would expect that as well. Uh, given Johnson, you know, we could be seeing Johnson, Krylak, and Rusnak up top. That would be a scary thing if Johnson ends up being the DP they expect him to be. That's definitely an interesting way that that could go. Uh, uh, Johnson's 25 years old, Liberian international, played in Norway before this. Uh, 11 goals in 24 league games. That doesn't jump off the page to me. And, uh, you know, numbers are just uh, kind of hard to determine the value of when you don't know anything about the league in Norway. But 
it doesn't feel like there's been a lot of successful Scandinavian signings in the last few years when they're paid this much money. Yeah, we were talking earlier. I think that the that league, the Scandinavian leagues, can tend to get a little overhyped. Um, so it used, it, it used to be kind of like a nice barometer, right? Because they use a similar schedule to MLS. Right. The level of play for many years, I thought, was well, relatively speaking comparable it doesn't look like it's that way anymore it looks like mls has begun to start passing it by a little bit uh so you know that that's a question mark at least they do know they could say oh we'll put Krylak up there but i do think that leaves a hole in the midfield because uh they do have one star there who i don't think will be getting a lot of time kyle beckerman uh dude will be 37 in april you say that i i don't know man you don't think I, so I can't. I mean, listen. The problem is every time I say Kyle, this is it. Kyle Beckerman cannot possibly be in the starting eleven anymore. The man plays the whole season, and I, I, I would tend to agree that he probably should be like phased out of this team. But like, like here's the thing, right? Let's assume Krylak stays as a striker, right? Let yeah. they're not going to play him in the midfield anymore, which I think what they should do. Then their midfielders, which you know Petke does kind of play with those two holding midfielders. They bring in that Luis Everton guy who has one of the best names, or Everton Luis, excuse me, uh, one of the greatest names I've ever heard. And then they've also got uh, Bessler, Beesler. I don't remember which yeah, one they was have, the correct they pronunciation. They have Nick, Nick Beesler, um, but he's more of a center back. Luke Mulholland. Uh, Steven, he's gone. Luke Mulholland. Well, yeah. he, he, was, uh, he was an important player in the past for them, so that might be a reason to bring Krylak back. They did have Steven Sunday fill in for a lot of last year. Good old Sonny. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're, you're looking at either right Beckerman at 37, continuing to play defensive mid. No, I'm or, just kidding. Holland is back, by the way. I, was, I have mistakenly eulogized the man. Uh, good thing I had our producer on that. He's quick, man. Yeah, he gets, he, he gets to us quick. He gets on He gets to us quick. So that's like two players right there. That could play ahead of Beckerman. Uh, Mulholland was, you know, he's been an important player at RSL for actually a decent amount of time now. Uh, I'd expect Everton Louise to step in, um, which allows Krylock to stay up, which is what I would like to see. Yeah, I think it's the right move. But like I said, I just don't, I don't think Beckerman's going to get phased out as much as you might think. <laughs> I just just more, crazy. I know it's crazy. But... Believe it or not, the more you say it, the more I believe it, <laughs> which might be an issue. Uh, there were rumors, by the way, surrounding that Albert Rushnak would be leaving for Europe last summer. Didn't end up leaving, and then obviously has not left in this January. So it looks like they'll have him at least till the summer. Uh, I would obviously be concerned about him possibly throwing another temper tantrum and <laughs> threatening to leave again. But I'm telling you, that one of the most underrated players in the league, that's going to be great to have him there for as long as he is there. Yeah, and he could easily be a top five player this season. I would see uh, no reason to think otherwise. I mean, that... Last season, 12 goals, 8 assists. Rusnak, 10 goals, 7 assists. Playing half the season as a 6. So that was a lot of later in the season um, goals. Uh, Rusnak is youngish, so I can see some, maybe some ambition for him to go. Um, but he's already a star in the Slovakian national team. You know, that has Marek Hamšík. <laughs> Teammate Jan Gregis from Minnesota will be joining him, him and now in MLS. They have a really solid front line. So, like you said, Johnson and Krylak, whoever starts at goal. Yeah, Joe Plato, certainly not a scrub by any means. Rushnak, we've already you know gushed about. And Jefferson Savarino, their other DP. Uh, Corey Bear, rookie of the year last season. And yeah, this is. I mean, I'm just going to go through this really quick. So we already mentioned Rushnak and Krylak. Uh, between them, 22 goals, 15 assists. 
you have Jefferson Savarino, 22-year-old Venezuelan winger, finished with seven goals, 11 assists. Um, you have to make sure he doesn't have a sophomore slump, but okay, that's a lot of talent. Another quality player, Baird, eight goals, five assists. Plata, who feels like a veteran, but is only 26. He's been eight years in the MLS. Eight goals, eight assists. That's five players competing for four positions, each with over 10 goals of involvement, plus Sam Johnson coming in, plus you have Sebastian Saucedo, 22-year-old homegrown, who had three goals, five assists, and 12 of, 11 other homegrowns in the roster looking to break in. Plus, at, the, at his age, you know Kyle Beckerman's due for at least one screamer. So there's one goal at least. You know they're going to yes. have one goal all year. You <laughs> yes. can promise that. It's going to be Beckerman. So that attack is really exciting for me. It is. It's much more exciting than I thought Real Salt Lake could ever be. But and but that's one of the things is not only do they have all these good attacking players, but they're not afraid to go after you. This is That, that is Petke's thing. He has this team just going after you. It doesn't matter if it's LAFC at home, away. They are going to get after it. And look, it leads to them being kind of leaky in the back. But it's it's nothing if not entertaining to watch. Yeah, and um, I I mean I I can't tell you how excited I am for that. Just their attack. Uh, like I mentioned, I didn't even realize twelve homegrowns in the roster. That's impressive. Um, one of those being uh, Lennon in the back, Brooks Lennon. Oh, Brooks who, Lennon, who kind of had a breakout season uh, of himself last year. I actually think this back line looks pretty decent. Uh, it seems like Aaron Herrera will probably nail down that left-back spot. I mean, they sold Danilo Acosta, so it's Pitke must have seen Herrera as a left-back this year. Uh, and then they have four center-backs between uh, Bessler, Justin Glad, who had a very good season, and then Silva and Unoha, which I didn't say right, but... What do <laughs> well, you that's do? okay. Uh, and then Unoha is how I was and going. He... That's what Inua. I was going with. I don't know. I like, uh, I like that one better, yeah. Yeah, Anuha sounds a little better. I mean, he was not a very good player last season, though, so hopefully you don't have to say his name all that much. I I don't know. I'm mixed on this back line a little bit. You know, Aaron, Aaron Herrera did, I think, do enough to convince them that they could get rid of... Well, they loaned Danilo Acosta, so technically he's not gone. But it's... I don't know. They brought in Danny Toya from Orlando City, the team you do not want to be bringing in players from defensive help. That That's a bold decision. Yeah. Uh, the center backs, I, I think Glad... Is probably a good one. They have Marcelo Silva. Uh, I could see that going either way. I think it's honestly, I don't know that it's an indictment on the, the skill of some of those players so much as it just is the way they play that allows them to be kind of opened up at times. True. Uh, I foresee having uh, Mulholland back, who's a good runner in the midfield, and Everton Louise. If those two together, I think that would bring uh, a lot of more stability in front of the defense because even with... Um, you know, those defenders, you know, that's not a bad list. I think at the beginning of last season, you would say, man, this defense looks weak. But after we saw last year, we say, okay, this is not a bad defense. Uh, I'm worrying, you know, Beckerman probably is not going to be able to cover as much as he has. They have Mulholland. <laughs> Sunday kind of had that job last year. And now potentially Everton Louise. Um, they might they might be a little bit I, – I foresee this team without a lot of additions being stronger – this year than last because that's a pretty young team all things considered as well I think so as well I think we could be looking at a very very strong and dangerous RSL team who only lost twice all last season at home so not only do you have to deal with this team being looking pretty good on paper you also have to deal with the fact that they were already pretty good last season if they could just find any kind of consistency on the road yeah they had a couple tough results at the end against Portland that maybe if they had figured out how to play them they could have been you know 
hosting instead of finishing sixth and having to go to LAFC, which they ended up winning. Uh, but speaking of a young team, goalkeeper might be as old as <laughs> most of their team combined. Nick Ramondo is back. I love that guy. He'll turn 40 this year. And I don't think he's going to get phased out this season. I think he's going to be a consistent starter at 40. What a, what a player. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that goes. Uh, goalkeeper, a little harder to gauge of when uh, talent's going down. I, th- I think he's still got enough to start in the league. So we'll see how that goes for them. But, yeah, I'm very excited to see RSL this season. And if you told, would have told me that last this time last year, how six months into last season, I probably would have just scoffed at you. But now they're your favorite team, so you'll you'll scoff <laughs> if you say anything else. Yes, Nate's good old Nate Smith has a lot to cheer for this season over there. Friend of the show, he'll be tuning in. Friend of the show, Nate Smith. Uh, Columbus Crew next on the list, uh, still here. So that's that's the biggest victory of the season. They're still here. They're still in Columbus. Uh, at the helm now, after the departure of Greg Berhalter to the national team, is good old Caleb Porter, uh, coach of the year on this show, based on the fact that no one signed him. I could not believe that. But uh, he's got a job now, which is good. And he, if you remember, has won MLS Cup with Portland before. And who and did he beat? A, uh, he beat Greg Berhalter in that final. He beat Greg Berhalter's Columbus. So, I mean, I was. Most of my notes are looking at, oh, can they, you know, keep up without lo- with losing Berhalter? But the guy bested him, so I don't know. We'll see how that goes. His time at the end in Portland wasn't so great, uh, but it also wasn't that bad either. I, Portland does have a little bit of ambition, so. They did kind of jump. I don't know if they jumped the gun, but they definitely uh, jumped off the Porter train very quickly. So uh, we'll see what he can do with this team that's basically exactly the same as it was last season. Uh, Zach Steffen is still here despite being sold to City. He'll be leaving in the summer transfer window, so you'll lose him halfway through the season, we assume. They've acquired Joe Bednick to take over uh, before this before this move What happens. did you say about... Uh taking Orlando defensive players to fill in holes? Uh, this is a goalkeeper. He may or may not count towards that. I'm not really sure yet. I think it counts. But uh, he's not great, but he's an experienced veteran. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm with you at that. I think he's a good backup option at least. Yeah, but he'll probably end up becoming the starter, which is not ideal. Uh, but that's kind of the price of doing business sometimes when you have a player as good as Stefan. Right, and and the big news uh, other than Stefan was the recent uh, news that uh, Valenzuela, Milton Valenzuela tore his ACL and will be out for Brutal. the season. Uh, that's a DP left back. That's a team with two defensive DPs, Jonathan Mensa and Milton Valenzuela. Uh, Mensa is no longer a DP. They bought them, bought him down. Yes, but uh, former D- DP level player Jonathan Mensa. If you take him by his his uh, wages, at least. Uh, I'm not sure he would count as that high compared to other defenders in the league. But with Valenzuela, I think this is a very good back line. Lalas Abubakar uh, is young. Mensa, strong back line, uh, center back pairing. Both Ghanaian. Uh, they can be prone to mistakes, but uh, Harrison Awful, believe it or not, despite what his name might lead you to think, is a <laughs> top right back in the league. That's... I. If they had Valenzuela, I would be very optimistic about that back five. That's, you know, chemistry from last year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, look, Valenzuela, there's no replacing a player of his level, at least not uh, with anybody that's going to be within the Cruz price range. They, 
really didn't make a lot of changes from year to year. So they did had to bring they did have to bring in a new left back. Uh, Waylon Francis was brought in for some a very light amount of guard bucks. You assume he'll be the starter from Seattle. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's like so Christian Martinez and Mike Grella are gone. Uh, who cares? But Robinho is here. That Robinho? No, not that Robinho. You mean not the one who's in jail? Uh, he's he. I have confirmed, in fact, that I don't believe he's actually in jail. I looked it up because I was like, is Rat Robinho in jail? Uh, he was convicted. He is guilty by the court of law, but apparently since he's a Brazilian citizen, he cannot be extradited, hence why he's playing in Turkey, I believe, now. Well, he's, he's a nasty dude, so I'm glad they didn't get him. Um, but they did need depth, at least, on the wings. Current situation, they have Justin Merrim, who uh, had a very good season at one point, 13 goals and 7 assists in 2017. But last year, he amounted just two goals and four assists in all of 2018 between Orlando City and the crew. So we'll wonder what his involvement would be on the left. And Pedro Santos, the DP on the right, um, one goal, seven assists. So production on the wings might need a boost. It might, but it doesn't look like it's coming. The, the, right now, you know, and one of the things I will say is that this offseason hasn't seen a lot of transactions, but we have to remember this is a team that's changing ownerships, they're changing coaches. There is a lot of new things happening here, even if it doesn't feel like it. it, it Maybe the change from Burhalter to Porter is enough to make them different enough to compete this season. One of the things you cannot do in any sport, I've never seen it work, is keeping the exact same roster with very few changes. Because teams figure you out. They have a whole seasons of tape, and you're just going to try to come back and do the same thing. doesn't usually work. So, you know, Caleb Porter's going to play his way. I doubt he's going to play as the same way as Burhalter did. But at the same time, that also presents its own risks. Because I think you and I have been very vocal about the fact that Jossie's artist is a 20-goal striker under Burhalter. Is he a 20-goal striker under literally anyone else? Is he a 20-goal striker in a second season under Burhalter? I don't mean to think that's the case. He had a good season, but, you know... You might gotta be able to do it again. Um, that said, he's probably the one person you have to look to and say, "Okay, we know he has goals." Higuain, as much as we have superior Higuain in here, he's 34. Um, yes. He seems to have been starting it phased out a little bit. He doesn't play full 90s two times a week. Six goals, nine assists for their number for their second striker in that situation. So, other than Zardis, man, they need some goals. They are gonna need goals, and I just don't know where they're gonna come from. I. Justin Miram, he's here another season, but we can both be honest with ourselves. That's not he. He's a bit part player, and especially now with because remember it was Burhalter's crew that brought him in. We'll see if Porter feels he has use for him, and then you know their midfielders behind them. You know Arthur, maybe he'll maybe he'll have a breakout season. I'm a big fan of Arthur. I think he's an incredibly talented player. I think he is too. I just don't know if he's if he's going to bring enough offensively to do that. And we already know what Will Trapp's capable of, for better or for worse. He is who he is. They're a great pairing. Trap is great as a six. Uh, I think Arter is he does burst forward. So good dribbling. He's got those long, lanky legs. He can put a tackle in. I think he is going to be their best player this year. Uh, we'll see. The you know the thing last year, their goal output was what like second or third worst in the league. They did not score a lot of goals. Yes, but defensively they were strong. Uh, they were you know top two or three defense in the league. So they kind of you know offset that. I'm wondering what Porter does. Is he going to try to keep the same strategy? Is he going to say, we'll sacrifice some defense or more offense? Uh, is he going to keep the defense? Is he going to try to pump up the defense and assume that these guys have goals in them? That's, that's, that's a big question facing them. 
Yeah, it absolutely is. So we will see how that goes for them. Like we said, it, many fans will consider it a victory just to still have the team. So that's good. And, you know, if this season doesn't go their way, maybe we'll see more next season as the ownership takes over. Or maybe even this summer. You know, we have no idea what this new ownership is going to be uh, willing to pump into this team. We assume it's a lot because they've been talking a very big game. Right. I so. fully expect that there's going to be someone at the crew this season um who's going to break onto the scene and become a starter. Could be Rubinho, it could be some young guy or bench previous bench player, but um given the amount of changes, I I'm expecting maybe Porter doesn't like Merrim or something. I think we're going to see one some guy break on the scene. Maybe Pedro Santos uh you know puts up 15 goals. Someone's going to have a big year for them. They'll that we didn't expect. For sure. The final team for today, the Montreal Impact, uh Remy Gard is here for year two in Montreal. At one point last season, I was pretty sure this guy was gone because uh, that team started off so badly that I wasn't sure how anybody could keep the job, but they stuck with him. Credit to the team, and they ended up nearly making the playoffs before falling short on decision day. Uh, A bit of bad news to start here. Not a lot of good news, to be fair. Uh, Alejandro Silva, one of their best players last season, is gone. I really liked him up top with Piatti, so that's, that's a big blow. And not a whole lot of signings here because Maxi Aruti's in here and that was a very good one for me but you need that's a striker. basically it you did need a striker but it was also a position where you had a black hole before so it's a very noticeable improvement at least in my opinion to start off but it's also not that great in so, terms I mean, of what else what other business they did uh this team was defensively very weak in the beginning it seemed like guard kind of went to we're going to be the one MLS team who sits back and parks the bus not even Burhalter parks the bus Strong defensively, but didn't park the bus. And just going through their defense, I have Bakri Sanya, 35, still chugging, I guess, at right back. I might think he might be suited for center back. Uh, and uh, U.S. Men's International, my boy Danny Lovitz at left back. <laughs> Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Dan Lovitz. And then Rudy Camacho kind of earned his starting place at center back. Uh, Victor Cabrera was brought in to be a center back last year and was not very good. I don't think... Rod Fanny, who was like 36, was their anchor last year. I have no idea what this pairing is going to be. Is Yuka Raitala the right, the you know natural right back going to be cupping in and playing center back? He did last year. It didn't seem like there's a plan there. This is this could be a problem. <laughs> I'm just just kind of looking at what they have here on defense. You mentioned Lovitz, who based on what he did for the national team, and he's had there've been good reports about him before. So that's a good start. But everything after that is like. You got people, you're not even sure, are they starting at center back? Are they starting at right back? And it wasn't that great of a defense to begin with. Like, that team was horrible defensively. And, you know, as much as I'd like to think that they had those defensive problems behind them now, who's to say that they won't start the season exactly the same way? Right. And it's a real possibility. Um, And as much as their defense kind of was better... Towards the end of the season, it wasn't as good. I think it was something like in um, in their last eight games, five games had either three or more goals. So, they're, you know, they're either going to have a big win because they hit someone on the counter, doesn't know what to do, or they're going to get broke, breaking, broken down like DC United did to them at the end of the season. So there's worries there. They, have, they brought in Jason Vargas, 21-year-old, who was supposed to be a big player for them last year, wasn't. Could be this year. Uh, I'm assuming he'll be on, playing on the right because right now they don't have anyone with the loose loss of Silva. <laughs> well, the best part is Jason Vargas has been officially loaned out just uh, 
uh, what do we got here? 45 minutes ago. There we go. Some more news from from the show. Right mid could be a real problem in that case. Uh, yeah. More problems <laughs> is the, the three center mids. Um, they seem to nail down uh, Michael Azira, Samuel Piet, and Safir Tider. Now I think Tider is a good center mid. He's a good eight. I uh, I liken him to Bedoya. He's tidy. He does his job. He gets in both boxes. But Piet I don't think is a good enough six. And he needs a zero to cover him, who's basically just in there to do covering for when Tider gets out of position or Piet is too slow to keep up. Is that midfield three strike fear into your, into, you know, if you were another team? It does not strike fear into me. What it does, however, bring up is another problem. That's it. What you just named is their midfield three, and after that, we are talking about nothing. Empty. There is, and that's not just the midfield. Behind Aruti is Jackson Hamel, who maybe as a backup striker is a little better, but that was a black hole last year, so good luck with that. On the right, all that's left now uh, up front is Harry Novillo, who you might remember they signed earlier this offseason. He was a former Olympic Leon uh, Academy product, which sounds good, and then you realize he spent 2018 playing in Malaysia. Hmm. I don't know anything about the soccer in Malaysia. I promise you it can't possibly be that good. It that's- just can't. Then you know that at least. <laughs> so okay, now Piatti on the left. That's that's pretty good. That's but, the one good thing. That's been the one good thing for them for the past two years. Is Piatti is potentially and, and, the best player in the league. And Piatti's thirty four. This is probably his last season in MLS. It's been made pretty clear by him that yeah. this is probably it for him here. And there's nothing behind him. At so good luck. I, and then like okay, Tidera probably going to be their number one playmaker other than Piatti, who who scores goals, makes plays, he does everything. But outside of that, Tidera's probably the next best one. And then after that, it's like I don't know. I have no idea what's happening here because this team, even if I thought the starting eleven was good, and I honestly don't think it's that great. I think it's fine. I think it could compete. But when you get past the first eleven players on this team, it is a nightmare. And, I mean, even if you said, the, like you said, even if the first 11 was good, that'd be one thing. But we don't know who the center backs are going to be. They never really had anyone other than Rod Fanny uh, nailed down a starting spot there. And, again, it's it's Piatti for me. He, he runs this team. He had someone with Lucas Silva on the other side who was at least fast, could keep up with him, who was deadly on the counter. Ah. Uh, I'm worrying about this team right now. I am very worried about this team because, and then why do I don't look? I don't know the details about what Vargas. I I do know he kind of fell out of favor with guard at the end of last season, but right. My goodness, they they signed nothing. <laughs> yeah, uh, Aruti I mean, is their biggest signing, and that's it. This is, I mean, this is a team. Evan Bush had the most saves last year. This is a is defense. He really going to be able to do that again? I mean, he's he you know he has mistakes in him too. This wasn't exactly the. This is one of the worst defenses in the league last year as well. They didn't bolster it much. I mean, they have Sonya now will be more settled. I think you got to play him in center back. He's 35. I don't know if you want to have him be keeping up with the likes of people on the left like Pico or Alessandrini or, you know, Raheem Edwards. I don't know. Name, Alexander <laughs> Katai. Name players on the left. There's a lot of really good ones. Oh, no. Yeah, no, this, this, this could be a problem. That's uh, that's to, to derail your point by not naming any more people that play on the left, but the, I think the people at home get it. This is, uh, I I'm I, I was okay with this team, and then I started thinking about it, and the more I've looked at the details here, the more I'm just I'm out on the impact this year. Yeah. So the one thing that gives us solace is it's more or less the same team. Uh, okay, so you lose Silva, but you gain a Ruti. That could be you know 
uh, a push. Uh, but Guard did figure out halfway through the year and was able to put together what was pretty resembling a playoff team if it wasn't for the first half of the season. If he can do that again, it's possible, but the the league keeps getting stronger, and this team stays the same from what it looks like. Yeah, and then, I don't I don't know. Look, it's they did get some dead weight off the books. Like, yeah, Quincy Americo and Mateo Mancosu, they had to go. Like, they just weren't cutting it. That's fine. Chris Duvall's gone. There wasn't anything special, but uh, okay. I mean, he basically went for free because he went for a third-round pick in the next year's Super Draft. Like, did you? what did you gain from that? Rod Fanny's gone, like you mentioned, kind of the anchor of last year's defense. Now, not that he was amazing or anything, but I don't know. It's always good to have options, and they don't have a lot of them anymore. So, good luck. Well, so let's figure it out. How ready are these teams? Yes. Everyone's favorite part of the show. I've got them ranked, and I'm going to switch this because of what's happened here. I actually started with uh, RSL, the Columbus Crew, the Impact, and the Union, but now that things have happened in the last 24 hours, uh, I'm sticking with RSL number one because I think that the roster they've put together this season is pretty good. I'm going with the Union at number two. They've moved all the way from last to second with the signing of Fabian, making me believe that they actually do have a plan for this season, which is always good. I'm going with the crew at number three because, again, they haven't made any moves outside of having to bring in another left back and bringing in a guy with the name Rubinho, who, by the way, the uh, the super famous Rubinho, his team is currently on top of the Turkish league. So There you have it. He's a star. Things just – good things happen to bad people, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, and then uh, I'm putting the impact dead last. Not only have they done nothing, they've lost too many good players for my taste. Yeah, I'm with you, RSL and Impact, front and last. RSL should be exciting this year, and less than crazy happens. I think they'll have a top-four finish. MLS is not like the Premier League where it gets you Champions League, but, you know, they. I, I think they'll be getting a home hey. game in the beginning. What are you saying? There's Champions League if you could just finish high enough. Right, my mistake. Um, the crew lost Valenzuela, Burhalter, and Ste- will lose Stefan. No big signings, maybe Rubinho. Uh, they did start to struggle at the end of last year, and I don't know with Higuain getting older, but they're the crew. They're always tough to beat. I th- I have them second. I think they're going to finish fifth, sixth, maybe seventh. The only teams I see comfortably better than them right now are NYCFC, Red Bulls, Atlanta, and D.C. United. Uh, so, you know, it's four teams, maybe Toronto. I think that should put them in fifth or sixth. Uh, and then I have the Union. I did. I was a little bit more worried about them, but they're in about the same situation. I'd almost put them as a draw with the crew. Impact, we've said enough. I think they finish 8th, ninth, 10th place just outside of the playoffs. There you go. So that's our readiness scale. Stay tuned for more of that next week when we have more teams to talk about. We're going to move on to that good old USA friendly against Costa Rica. It was almost a week ago. We're not going to harp on the details too much of the game. I, I, I'm more interested to talk about the sort of the system, right? Because it's been very clear. Greg Berhalter has made it very clear in interviews, in all of his talks, that he wants to build an identity. He wants to have a system that the national team plays. And I, first of all, love that. I've been saying it for years that Bruce Arena and Jurgen Klinsmann really failed in this regard to play a certain way. And let's, you know, let's at least try, right? Let's at least try to have our own identity. And if it doesn't work, we can revisit this later and we can call me a fool. But I really like the idea of having a system, and we've seen it, you know, played out, right? Last time I said, do I dare call it Guardiola-esque? But that's 
I mean, it's not so much of a stretch to say that it's very clear that he has that sort of mentality now. That, yes, we want to have the ball. And, yes, we're going to play it out of the back sometimes. And, yeah, I'm going to do this crazy thing where the right back slots in as a midfielder. It's I like it as well. Um, it was part of the reason why I liked Klinsman. As much hate as he got, as he gave the U.S. an identity. He said, this is how we're going to play. Um, he, you know, he established it through the youth systems. This is how it's going to be taught. This is how it's going to be coached. So I like that Burhalter's establishing. This is how we're going to play. We're going to play very progressive. We're going to play um, a little unorthodox, maybe in our formations, and we're going to make other teams work. Uh, and given what we saw from the team out there, you add in a couple stars who've been playing in Europe, uh, and we'll see because it looked like that team was strong, but just lacked a little creativity at times, maybe. Yeah. So now the only thing left to do is obsess over this team and talk about Gold Cup roster that's still about six months away. That seems like the fair thing to do, right? I think it's about time to start worrying. Yeah. Can, can yeah. I start so, panicking? Yeah, it's time to hit the panic button. So in terms of what I would think, if based on what I saw this weekend or this past month, basically, uh, from the games and from what we heard in practice and all that, I think if I were building a Gold Cup roster right now, my goalkeeper would still be Zach Steffen. Even though I like Horvath just a little bit better, maybe it's because he's playing in Europe. But I do think Stefan gets the nod if it happened right now because Stefan has very has had a you know his whole career basically under Burhalter, and you know he knows the way he's going to want to play, and so I think he'll be more comfortable starting Stefan there in goal. Mm-hmm. After that, the back line, I think, I still think DeAndre Yedlin and John Brooks are still starters when healthy, no yeah. matter what. Yes. I don't I don't know if Yedlin can play the way that Lima does. And that might seem crazy, but that kind of role where you're moving from right back to, you know, sometimes having to go up a little further and play on the wing, play in the midfield, that's that takes a lot of soccer IQ. And listen, I love DeAndre Yedlin, but DeAndre Yedlin is not a soccer IQ player. He is very fast. He is very good at getting back when he makes a mistake, but it, the, the mistakes he makes Oftentimes, they, it worries me a little bit. I have to admit, it, it, him playing that role would worry me a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I think Adams might be the perfect fit for that role. Uh, so or right back. Yeah, everyone's been claiming Tyler Adams' best position is right back. It allows him to not only be a right back, but a defensive mid. He's a good runner. Uh, you know, he can run with the ball. He can runs back without the ball. So he could be a real option there. Um but until anything, until I see anything, I think Yedlin is going to at least get a shot uh, in the March friendlies before we discount him. Ah, yes, the good old March friendlies against Chile and Ecuador coming up. I'm sure that'll be very interesting, if nothing else, because it'll be the first time Burhalter has everyone in the pool that's healthy at his disposal. So hopefully we'll get to see some cool things there. Uh, for Jean Brooks center back pairing, I... You know, for for months I've been penciling in now. Eh, whoever's been playing better between Carmen Carter's Victors and Matt Miazga, but Miazga really hasn't played a whole lot now. He has gotten into that Reading side now, and it looks like he's going to play there, so that's good. But and you know, same Cameron Carter's Vickers is you know he's just coming off an injury now. I don't think it's that crazy for me to say that Aaron Long, especially since he had the armband during these friendlies, I don't think it's crazy to think that he might be starting come Gold Cup time next to John Brooks. I I love that sentiment. And I want to see it. Long has done everything to deserve that spot. And I would like to see it again. Go Long. (laughs) I love that. Go Long. Uh, The left back spot is still as just interesting as can be. 
Uh, Anthony Robinson, uh, kind of everyone's like, you know, darling pick to start it off. And, you know, he's just, he's also coming out of an injury. So, you know, we haven't seen him in a little while. The talk, of course, is always comes back to me anyways. Like, where is Fabian Johnson? Like, is he, is he, is he retired from the national team? Is he not? We're going to have to find that out. Uh, Eric Lehigh has played there before for the national team. I don't think that's a very sexy pick. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. There's not a whole lot there. Now, of course, you're Daniel Lovitz. There it is. I was waiting for you to say it. Yeah, Daniel Lovitz. He did play pretty well, so I think he's given himself a chance, certainly, to play into that role. I think he's got a little bit more experience. But, okay, he didn't really play against some of the likes that Robinson had to go up against, like with England and France when he was out there and he got skewered. So, um, you know, we'll give him guys some chance. I agree, Fabian Johnson, if he was available, we'd like to see there. But, um Give Robinson a little bit more time to develop, I would I would say. Lehigh, and for the, just for this Gold Cup, like in the future, Robinson's definitely going to have to, you know, work his way there. But I think we say, okay, Lehigh, Lovitz, Fabian Johnson, let's give Robinson a chance to, to settle first. We will see. Maybe, you just, maybe he'll just move Yedlin to left back where he can just run. I mean, at times he was playing that left back is almost like a third center back, so... Yeah, that, that that would be very interesting. Although I think I think uh, Rafa had to play Yedlin as kind of a third center back a few weeks ago, and everyone was like freaking out because like why would you do that? Because like it was of out a of necessity. Yeah, it was kind of a weird necessity type thing that Rafa just you know hey you don't question Rafa Benitez that's for sure. Yeah, who are we? Yeah, right. Him and uh, <laughs> Patrick Vieira. Yeah, no, we would never uh, question those guys. It's the midfield. So let's start at the base because everyone's going to be like, I don't want to see Michael Bradley ever again. And I'm one of those people, but I, I hate to admit it. I have to be realistic because I'm, you know, one of the greatest soccer pundits of all time and, and very humble. Very, very. I, I just, I just, I guess he's going to have to be the guy. I just don't see who is going to displace him Will in Trapp? that role. Bradley's no, better I than Will Trap at the international level. I don't level. like Will Trap. I, I really don't. An international level, I do not like Will Trap. So I think Bradley's... I was begging for Canoes. Sorry, I was begging for Canoes. Yeah, and he didn't get time. So that tells me that Berhalter doesn't see him there. He must have not been an impressive at camp. I think Bradley's working his way back into the good faiths of the at least the U.S. SF, the Federation itself. So I'd expect to see him being one of those veterans who sticks around at least for another year. Yeah. And then the other midfield spots, um, we talked about Adams already. I think I personally would still put him in the midfield. I mean, that that right back idea, though, I could be interested to see that. Maybe I'll persuade you afterwards. Maybe he will. Uh, Weston McKinney. I think both of those guys, though, are the ones everyone's been dreaming of to play together. Right. So I not I don't think we're going to get much argument there. The only thing I would say is that if we can find someone to play up top instead of Pulisic... Pulisic playing in that midfield where, you know, he plays the Mihailovic role that we've seen. Mm-hmm. That would be something. It definitely could be. Um, I'm excited for that. They, uh, Tim Weah has been very good at Celtic recently. It's fans there seem to take a, quite a liking to him. Yes, he's been very good so far. Uh, he's another guy who will probably get a, get a chance there. Um, it just kind of depends on what kind of system he plays because... Uh, you know, we saw him playing with like you know three wingers and the 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 three two two three uh, formation, and um, the question is, with his best lineup, does he have the manpower to play that? Yedlin was kind of the big question mark uh, at left back. If you play Fabian Johnson, he's not as much of a center back to do that. Um, but with the talent there, I mean, 
I don't know. If they're good enough, they should be able to do it. Could be a very interesting Gold Cup, and of course, that's not even talking about who the striker is going to be, but let's be honest, no one knows. Like, maybe it's Josie, and everyone can be mad about it. I'll be mad about it, but, I mean, saying that it's going to be Josh Sargent is still a bit of a stretch to me. Bobby Wood, maybe he's there. Maybe he plays, maybe he plays wide. Uh, because he's done that before, and I don't really like him there, but we saw Berhalter play will be say wide, and that was shocking. So anything's possible with this new era. Yeah, and we'll see. I think we'll see some mix-ups. I don't think we're going to see uh, a template from right. Berhalter. I think people okay. are expecting, oh, we got to have uh, McKenney here and Adams here and Bradley, the midfield three. I think we're going to see something away from a template as we saw these games, three two two threes. Four one eight nine, <laughs> three two three. We we're very sophisticated in our formation alignments on this show. The nine one one. <laughs> I love that formation. <laughs> really, really. When you're when you're really in a pinch, you go to that one. <laughs> the nine goalkeepers, one defender, one midfielder. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, we're gonna move to the end here. <laughs> we found out this weekend that, or not this weekend, this week that NYCFC is paying a million dollars a game to play at Yankee Stadium. So you did means, the math on this. That means they have to pay fifty dollars a pop for tickets and get 20,000 people in the stadium just to break even. Concessions all go to the Yankees as well, parking. Can we get uh, like a hashtag save NYCFC and get them like a real field? No, because we're just getting started on hashtag don't let the fire burn out. I like that one better. I think we're going to use that. So if you like this show, tweet using the hashtag don't let the fire burn out. If you hate the show, also tweet, tweet that the anyway. hashtag. <laughs> tweet. We don't we don't want to know what you actually think. And for the record, <laughs> if anybody tweets that, I'm going to favorite it. So just as an or I will retweet. It. Forget favorite. I will retweet it. I will favorite it. And I will follow quote you. retweet it. Yeah, and follow. So if you do that, you'll have my utmost uh, admiration in terms of what that means like the whole stadium thing it's a mess we've already talked about it enough i it's it's frustrating to see that they're also paying a million dollars to play there but i mean i guess i actually don't know what i expected rent's very expensive in nyc maybe they should talk to uh, our president trump he seems to know about the new york real estate market moving on white cats yeah, nope. Wait, hang on. I had one more thing to say about oh, the NYCFC. Okay. I just wanted to mention that I was very disappointed they didn't make the CONCACAF Champions League hmm. because they might have their cow pastures and waterlogged pitches, but boy, when they get a hold of that field in New York. <laughs> I don't think... I think people would boycott that. I think you get some team coming in from Mexico would be like, this. they play here? What is this country? <laughs> it's the right caps. Moving on, the Whitecaps are looking to Costa Rican international Brian Ruiz as well as oh, former gosh. MLS player Freddie Montero. Does this change your opinion on the Whitecaps should they make these signings? If Freddie Montero comes in, I will boost them up just a little bit because in my mind that's a guy that's proven MLS goal scorer that I think that would actually help them. At 31, I think he's still got a couple of years left in him. If Brian Ruiz gets brought in, I'm going to roll my eyes and I'm going to say, what are you doing? He scored five goals since 2016 playing 14 matches for Brazilian Santos side last season, and he netted two assists. Nice. Two assists. That's cannot possibly be helpful to them. Santos is a top side in Brazil, so it might be a bit of a step down for him. But at 33, to be fair, he was never much of a physical player, uh, very much a technical player. Nashville SC to play at Nissan Park next year. Not to be confused with uh, Nashville MLS 2020. Isn't it? <laughs> not to be confused. Yeah, at the beginning of the show, if you might recall, Miami will not play at Marlins Stadium. They've been denied, but potentially looking into FIU. 
thoughts on the expansion side stadiums for next year and what do you think Miami's going to actually do? Uh, we'll start with the Nissan Park thing. Uh, they've hosted ML- – uh, oh, my goodness. They've hosted U.S. men's national team matches before. Apparently, they've even hosted Nashville matches before. I did not know that. So that's – I think it's fine. It'll be fine. The field won't be any kind of weird, like, thing. Uh, I, they won't fill it almost ever, I wouldn't think. I, Nashville probably – well, I, who would have said that about Atlanta, right? But I – I think they won't fill it. I think it'll be fine. They can probably get 20,000. If they can just do that, they'll fill the lower bowl most times. That should be enough. They are in the process of building an MLS stadium, I believe. Yes, they are. This is a temporary measure. Yeah, and I'm totally cool with that in that case because you got to play somewhere. And I'd rather them play in kind of a you know an empty stadium than playing in some like weird 8,000 seat venue. Like that's that's just weird. Say what you will about Orlando. They started off at the Orange Bowl, filled that bad boy up 50,000 people and downgraded to their uh, Orlando City Stadium of about 26,000, which is a beautiful park. So hopefully we see the same from them on to Miami. Yeah, I was actually surprised. I was I was really thinking that they were going to go uh, with Marlins Park because of some... Uh, it's at the location. I the, I heard the ownership groups were very tight together. So I am actually kind of surprised that this news has come out. I, there's more room, by the way. So I know everyone's like rolling there. I was like, oh my God, not another Yankee stadium. This is A, temporary, and B, I've heard this a little wider, so you wouldn't have to deal with that as much. Pitcher's Park, as it's known. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, I, I, I think that'd be fine. Playing at FIU might lead to some sparse crowds, but it's uh, I wasn't big on Minnesota United moving into the University of Minnesota, and that worked great. So who am I? to say we'll see sometimes those florida crowds can be tough to pull in last yes. one d haslam uh wife of uh, jimmy haslam owner of the browns and now the columbus crew said that the crew will be the one of the greatest mls organizations ever at the greater columbus commission's women's greater columbus sports <laughs> commission's women in sports report the good old gcscwsr <laughs> Question for you. Not is that a yeah. good acronym? Yeah, that, okay. Well, I was gonna say I was gonna tell you anyway. It's great. I love it. Do we expect the owners of the Browns to be doing much better in MLS? Well, here's the thing. Jimmy Haslam in NFL circles is known as a complete moron. I mean, this is the guy. It's Harsh hard to words. blame. It's hard to blame the. It's, I'm not saying it. I'm not a Browns fan, so you know. He. I mean, fine by me if every other team in the league was run that way. Uh, hard to blame the critics when this guy's in charge of the franchise that it shows up in the dictionary when you look up the word failure. Is that true? I haven't looked at the dictionary in a while. I used to read through um, it like one time a year. I think that until someone who actually opens a dictionary and looks up the word failure, they it's, they can't prove that I am wrong. Ah, so, Schrodinger's failure. Yes. Uh, anyway, his wife D doesn't get the same criticism. Now, I don't. To be fair, I actually had no idea that she was the co-owner. So uh, until this came up. I think it's I, first off, Jimmy Haslam's a much bigger handprint on the Browns, right? I mean, he's he's clearly much more vocal than she is about the Browns. If they're willing to pump in some money and do what Atlanta's done and what some other teams have done, which is you know put the money in and just step aside and you know get all get get some get some good FaceTime, right? You know we saw we saw plenty of Arthur Blank uh, during MLS Cup, but outside of that, he's just he's appointed the soccer guys like Carlos Bocanegra to take care of soccer operations, and here's your money. Don't let me down. Right. Uh, they did actually hire Arthur Blank as a consultant to come in uh, and learn about how to be successful in MLS. <laughs> Apparently, the Haslam's buy into it. Imagine imagine hiring a billionaire 
as if he needed more money. <laughs> Hire me instead. Now right, th- I'll take it. I'll take the money. I think, I'll, I'll t- and I'll consult for you. <laughs> look, I mean, look, we have our own podcast. We have to know something. Yes. I do want to specify that the quote said, the greatest MLS organizations, not MLS teams. She didn't specifically say that the crew were suddenly going to become, uh, you know, Manchester City. But by saying organizations, I feel like that says, oh, they're going to, you know, they're not going to, they're going to go back to marketing in the city. They're not going to sell 11,000 seats again. I mean, if you just look at like change in seats sold, if they go from 11,000 to 15, they'll be the most successful team in terms of change in seats sold. So the, I think that quote is maybe a little bit misleading. Uh, and it could not be success for the team, but success for the front office. That is my worry for the crew. Oh, it'll be interesting. Certainly to see them try to deliver on that promise. I would think that we're about to see that there might be some discontent with ownership. We'll see. They have a lot of money, right? That's number one. But number two is like, so they're going to go through a transition period here where they're going to get that new stadium built. Hopefully. I don't, I don't know if that's actually officially, officially, you know, shovels in the ground official. So I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it, but tell it to Chicago. No kidding. So anyway, I, I would hope that that's like, that's going to get done. And once that gets done, you know, you hope that they'll start reinvesting in the team. But we've seen this not just here in the U.S., but we've seen it is over in Europe, too, with Tottenham, where or even Arsenal. Remember when the Emirates were built? Since the Emirates have been built, they haven't exactly been big spenders. It was only until the past couple of years they started splurging some money. Uh, Tottenham right. with the stadium right now, no investments. Uh, Minnesota, though, you could argue, OK, they just built a stadium and look at them now. Now they're spending big just when the stadium is, re- is finished. Doesn't mean they're not done paying for it. They're gonna be paying for that for a long time. Well, uh, true. LAFC came in a league with a stadium, I, I, but this is remember this is a team in transition. They're building a second stadium. They'll be the first team in MLS to build two soccer-specific stadiums, which is uh, uh, give it to them. They were trailblazers back when uh, Map Free Stadium opened. They were the first MLS soccer-specific stadium. Now they're gonna be the first second MLS soccer-specific <laughs> stadium. But we do see LAFC, uh, DC United, Ron and Wayne Rooney able to afford players and a new stadium. I don't know how the financing works for that because Tottenham couldn't well, do it. I, and let's not forget, and let's not for one second, let's not forget that the Browns ownership group immediately becomes one of the richest in the entire league. They have Correct. money. It's not a question of whether their money is there. It's whether they're going to be willing to invest both in this stadium that we have assumed is going to be privately funded because they're trying to get the trust back of the people of Columbus. But it's also, are they going to spend money on making the team a watchable product? No one's arguing that the Browns are a successful organization. They're not. The Browns have been the worst organization in sports, potentially across all sports in America, for a long time now. Second, maybe only to the Lions. Even the Lions have been have had better records in recent years than the Browns. This was their best year ever, where they had four wins. <laughs> I, I look at the, I look at this and I say, you haven't inspired hope with me from the Browns, but you have money, and I think you don't necessarily. And and listen, with what Precourt was doing, one turnstile being open for the whole stadium. No marketing, yeah. no desire to get fans in the stadium because we can pull a major league. Like this is like Major League Three. With except without um, you know, Charlie Sheen, you have uh Frederico Higuain playing Gonzalo Higuain <laughs> or something. Right? It's 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 almost odd that like that movie played out this way. Yeah. I think it's gonna be hard for them to not be more successful than they were last year. This is true. I, well, maybe not last year, but I, I think in years to come they will be better off for this and this will all end well for them. And to be fair, I guess it already has ended well in the fact that they didn't leave. True. That's already a success. My worry is last year there was the whole save the crew. So there might have been some, you know, 
uh, sympathy from the city. Oh, let's go watch a game. They may be leaving that next year. Maybe it builds apathy. Yep, they've been saying we don't need to go. I don't know. <laughs> well, we, we'll, we'll see. Uh, here. We there. This could go either way. Certainly, uh, my my money's on this ending well, though. This and just remember, NFL 13.0. We're gonna start sabotaging NFL teams, just like Arthur Blank has already sabotaged the Falcons. Hey, I'm all for it. Not yeah. that we need to sabotage the Browns. If MLS is at 4.0, they, every NFL team owner we get, the NFL goes down one rank and we go up. So we'll be at MLS 5, they'll be at NFL 12. It's a beautiful thing. Anyway, that's all the time we have this week for the American Soccer Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us and check out past episodes. You can find us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher for all your American soccer needs. Make sure to leave us a review on iTunes, even if you listen to the, you know, platforms if you're a you know if you're a microsoft user or whatever if you have a android still go to itunes and give us yeah. five stars i don't care or or tweet at us at eric double a you could tweet at me i'll probably respond because no one tweets at me so same thing with me i'm not going to give you my twitter handle though because i am an incredibly private person which is why i put all of my voice on the air every week until next time i'm <laughs> underscore e mcconnell underscore alongside eric double a signing off